O Lord, conform our will to your will and teach us this day what it means to live under grace and in grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And grace be to you this day from the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. As you probably are aware, we are in a sermon series that is called Living the Decluttered Life. And we've been talking about various things that can clutter up our lives. You know, if you think about it, some clutter is caused by greed and envy. When we're greedy and we we want to get more and more things, we can get so many things, those things begin to clutter up our lives. Wanting more and more. In fact, it's more than just wanting more things. It's wanting more than that guy has. Envy can take over our lives. It's been said that envy is the art of counting the other fellow's blessings instead of your own. (laughs) The art of counting the other fellow's blessings instead of your own. And of course, that never happens in Scottsdale, Arizona, does it? Uh, I think it probably does. The late Reverend Dr. Billy Graham is quoted as saying, I defy you to show me an envious man who is a happy man. I wonder how many people are really not very happy. They have a lot of things, but really aren't very happy because envy has taken over their heart and their mind. When is enough enough? The Bible teaches the value of contentment. In fact, Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray and taught them what we call the Lord's Prayer, he included this petition, what we call the fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. We're asking God to provide us what we need for today and to teach us to live one day at a time trusting in Him. And in today's epistle lesson, we heard St. Paul uh, say in his letter to Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Indeed it is. When is enough enough? The late Dwight L. Moody, the great theologian, uh, was preaching a sermon and he told a fable within his sermon, the fable of an eagle who was envious of another eagle that could fly a lot better than it could. So one day the bird saw a sportsman with a bow and arrow and he said to the sportsman, hey, I wish you would bring down that eagle up there. The man said he would if he had some feathers for his arrow. So the jealous eagle pulled one feather out of his own wing. The arrow was shot but didn't quite reach the rival bird because he was flying too high. So the first eagle pulled out another feather and then another and then another and another until finally he had lost so many feathers he himself could not fly. And then the archer took advantage of the situation, turned around, and killed the helpless bird. 
Dwight Moody then made this application of that story in his sermon. He said, if you are envious of others, the one you will hurt the most by your actions will be yourself. Well, we see an example of envy played out in the story in today's gospel lesson. You know that in this series, we're concentrating on certain parables that Jesus told. And today's parable is a story about workers in a vineyard from Matthew chapter 20. We're going to go through this piece by piece here once again. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. And we can only imagine what type of work that would involve to be working in a vineyard. Maybe some of them were going to be cultivating the soil to get it ready for growing grapevines. Or maybe they were going to be pulling weeds. Maybe they were going to be actually pruning the grapevines. Or maybe it was a little bit later in the, uh, the process of growing these grapevines that maybe they were going to actually help with the harvest. We're not told. But whatever the work, the end goal, of course, is a good harvest of grapes for the landowner. So, the landowner goes down to Vineyard Depot. Okay, not really. He went to the marketplace early in the morning to find some day laborers, right? And these workers then negotiate a contract with the landowner and he agrees to pay them a denarius for the day. A denarius was a Roman coin that was a fair day's wage. In fact, this is the same as what a Roman soldier earned per day, one denarius. So this was a fair wage for a day's labor. So he puts them to work in his vineyard right at the beginning of the day, and they work all day long. Jesus goes on and he says, now about the third hour, let let me pause about these time references. Keep in mind, Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, to Jewish readers. So he makes use of the Jewish time reckoning system, not the Roman time reckoning system. And in Jewish time, time was measured from sunrise. Sunrise estimated about 6 a.m. So hours were counted from 6 a.m. from sunrise. So when Jesus says about the third hour, he means about 9 o'clock in the morning. About 9 in the morning, this landowner went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. They joined the group. He went out again about the sixth hour, so this is like 12 o'clock noon, and then again the ninth hour, about three in the afternoon, and he did the same thing. Then it says about the eleventh hour, so now we're talking five o'clock in the afternoon, he went out and he found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. 
Then Jesus continues with the parable. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Those last phrases there in verses 14 and 15 are really the key to understanding the meaning of this parable. The landowner who represents God in the story says, I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do that? Or are you envious because I'm generous? It all emphasizes grace. The key to this parable, you see, is that it's all about Grace, grace, it's all about grace. It's about God's unusual, generous, outlandish grace toward people like us. It's all about grace. There was a newspaper story some years back of a man who had sold his asphalt company for $422 million dollars. Now, that was not the reason for the story, but it became a story worthy of newspaper attention when the man gave $128 million to his workers. Now, for those with pensions, he gave $2,000 a year for each year worked. And for those without any pensions, he gave each between $1 million and $2 million, depending on years of service. Unbelievable, but true. Now, as you might expect, the workers were, were overjoyed. They were not simply without a job now. They were set for life. In a very self-effacing manner, the man said that he wanted to share some of his good fortune with those workers who had been loyal for so many years. Our reaction to such a story is it's just one of amazement that someone could be so generous. Now, maybe the, the naysayer among us might be inclined to add, well, he still has $300 million for himself. <laughs> but there's no denying this was truly a generous act toward employees that had no right to expect it. This was really a strange sort of generosity. Let's call it grace. You know, who ever heard of a professional athlete, for example, saying, 
you know, I only need $60,000 to take care of myself, so I will give the other $12 million away to other people. Corporate CEOs do not make news by announcing that their stock options for the year have been turned over to the poor in inner cities. This man is certainly not typical. This is not good business practice, after all. It is, at best, offbeat and quirky. Such generosity just does not come natural to most people. It's all about grace in that story. And so with God. It's all about grace. In Jesus' parable, the owner says to those who worked all day, Friend, I do you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual day's wages of a denarius? And maybe we're inclined to answer with those who were first chosen, but, but, but wait, 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 that's not fair. That's not fair. All those other people only worked an hour. These people worked all day long. This just isn't fair. Maybe in applying this parable to our faith life, perhaps we sympathize with those 5 o'clock a.m. workers, especially if we've been in the church a long time. Maybe we even hold some resentment toward those Johnny-come-latelys who are new to the church and don't have near the experience that we have and yet receive the same benefits of faith as us. You know, we tend to want to, want to read this parable as being a story about fairness. But is that what we really want? Is that what we really need? Fairness and justice? Do you really want fairness from God? I mean, think about it. If we got what is truly fair and just from God, we would be in a world of hurt. And I'll just speak for myself. For my sin, I deserve only eternal punishment. Consider these three truths. When we get what we deserve, that is fairness and justice. When we don't get what we deserve, that is mercy. And when we do get what we don't deserve, that is grace. So what do you really want from God? Justice and fairness or mercy and grace? Clinging to our sense of fairness reveals how we really misunderstand God's ways. You know, in that Old Testament reading for today from Isaiah 55, we hear God say these words, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This parable in Matthew 20 shows us how God really turns everything upside down. You know, he does things his own unique way, not in the way that is 
logical in our mind or even fair in our estimation. It shows us that God's kingdom is not based on what is fair, but on what we need. You see, we don't need justice from God. We need grace from God. Grace that overlooks all that we are and all that we've done and said that we know is wrong. Grace that flows from that cross where Jesus was unfairly punished for our sins, the just for the unjust, that we might be forgiven and have eternal life through faith in Him. Talk about things that aren't fair. The parable of Matthew 20, if you think about it, is really a good Lutheran story. It's a good Lutheran text, for it's all about grace, and that's the center of what we hold to. And it really is a measure of what sort of Lutherans we are. Are we the kind of Lutherans who are overjoyed that others receive the grace of God no matter how little they may seem to deserve it by our measure? You know, to to truly appreciate God's grace for ourselves is to be only too happy to see others receive what they need, His loving and forgiving grace for them too. So, when we, out of envy, are tempted to ask the question, when is enough grace, enough grace for that guy? How about if we just let the God of all grace answer that himself? In the words of the landowner who represents God in the story, don't I have the right to do what I want? Or are you envious because I am generous? You see, the great thing about grace is that everyone wins. Everyone wins. And you only lose if you begrudge the fact that there are no losers. It's the the nature of grace itself. To the hungry, God gives nourishment. To the sinner, however late in the day he or she comes, God gives grace through his Son, Jesus the Savior, who came that all might have life and have it to the full. Jesus then, after telling the parable, closes his teaching with this comment. So, the last will be first, and the first last. Let me ask you, to whom will you extend grace this week? Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, your Savior. Amen.